So this evening's um, reading is taken from Luke chapter 13, um, verse 10 down to 21. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched on its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked through all the dough. I love all of these stories about Jesus meeting people, encountering people and changing their lives and as he does, kind of causing this storm and upset everywhere he goes. It's brilliant. Um, I'm just going to grab some notes. Um, And uh, here we find Jesus preaching in a synagogue. And it's no surprise that Jesus was teaching in a synagogue. Um, In fact, all the way through Luke, Jesus spends time in synagogues preaching, especially in Galilee, where, of course, uh, well, not that far from where he grew up. And it didn't always end well. You may recall that at his first appearance in a synagogue in Luke 4, they tried to throw him off a cliff. It was something about his promise to release the captives that got people a bit riled up. But here he is, preaching again. I don't know what he's preaching about, if it's anything like the verses that lead up to it. He's calling people to repent and sharing some pretty cryptic parables about a fig tree that doesn't bear enough fruit. But whatever it is he's talking about, he's interrupted by a woman. He allows himself to be interrupted by a woman. That's actually quite shocking. Who was she? Was she a regular at the synagogue? Had she just turned up on this one occasion because she'd heard Jesus was talking. She had been crippled, the text says, for 18 years. And it's worth remembering that as someone with a disability, 
according to uh, to Samuel and uh, in Leviticus, she wouldn't have been allowed to participate in worship at the temple. So the synagogue was sort of the closest that she was going to get. It's also worth remembering that when we hear these stories of Jesus working miracles and healing people, the healing quite often represents a deeper truth. So um, as an illustration, um, if I say uh, I once was blind but now I see, you don't necessarily assume that I had a visual impairment and now I am healed. You might go, ah, he has seen something that he didn't see before. He has been able to behold and recognize God in a way that he didn't before. And the same is true when we talk about people who are deaf hearing, that there's a spiritual dimension where we have suddenly heard the good news. We've understood it for the first time. So when we encounter this woman who is unable to stand upright, it's almost like there's this humility which has been forced upon her, forcing her to look at the ground, to bow down. And actually, this is easier because the light there is blinding me a little bit. Forcing her to look at the ground, to bow down while everyone around her is looking over her head. It's something which stops her from looking at anyone eye to eye, from anyone seeing her eye to eye, from being treated as an equal. And in fact, she's not even given the dignity of a name in this passage. And perhaps that's an indication that at some point in the last 18 years, people had started to ignore her, but not Jesus. Jesus stops. Jesus notices. He looks at her. And there's this powerful dignity that Jesus affirms in her as he allows her to command his attention. Sorry, Will. Leave your plectrum there. As he allows her to command his attention in the middle of the sermon, he tells her, you are set free from your infirmity. He puts his hands on her. And she immediately stands up straight. Luke says she straightens up. For the first time in 18 years, she is able to lift up her head and to stand as an equal among other human beings, to look someone else in the eyes. And whose are the first eyes she sees? The eyes of Jesus Christ. The face of God. It's no wonder that her response is one of praise. So it must have been quite infuriating for her that she immediately becomes the, the subject of a discussion between two men. And having been healed, she has to stand and watch as these two men discuss whether she should have been healed in the first place. Can you imagine how shaming that would be for her? She's just enjoying this freedom. She's just enjoying being able to stand up and look at the world and the people around her. And the synagogue leader says to Jesus, you shouldn't have healed her. Or at least you should have asked her to come back tomorrow. Healing on the Sabbath? 
Now, to be fair to this synagogue leader, he was only trying to preserve the historic teaching of his faith. Observing the Sabbath really mattered. It was one of those markers of obedience to God. It was a way of reflecting God's design for creation in the way that, well, he and everyone else around him lived their lives. It was embedded in the very act of creation. God worked for six days, and on the seventh, God rested. And there it is in the Ten Commandments. Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Jesus was a guest in this synagogue. And uh, perhaps whether it didn't matter whether he could do miraculous healing, the synagogue leader wanted him to toe the line to affirm this teaching which was so central to his Jewish identity. But of course, Jesus refuses. Instead, he chooses to affirm the dignity and the worth of this unnamed woman over any of the teachings that might have been expected from him. And he does it in a very Jewish sort of way. He reminds this synagogue leader and everyone listening and everyone reading 2,000 years later of another part of their tradition. You see, uh, in Deuteronomy, when this Sabbath law is mentioned, it actually specifically mentions ox. It says, don't work on the Sabbath, but don't even let your ox work. That's how important this Sabbath is. But of course, that's a bit inconvenient because then you've got ox who are hanging around not really being able to drink any water all day. So at some point, someone had said, okay, so we're not going to let the ox work because obviously ox, they pull things around and they push things and they're farm animals and that's working and blah, blah, blah. But of course, of course, we're going to let them drink some water. That would be insane not to let them drink water. And Jesus is saying, oh, oh, so you will do something for the ox on the Sabbath. Well, surely this woman's life has more value than the ox. In fact, she's a daughter of Abraham. And at that point, when Jesus names her as a daughter of Abraham, he, he's not naming her. She still doesn't have a name. But in that moment, she is honored. She is elevated. Jesus lets her, us know that just as he, she looks at him and praises, he looks at her and she is seen by God. And how precious it must have been for her to be seen. Not recognized because of her disability, but in light of of her identity as a daughter of the covenant that God had with Israel. Included in a covenant which, as we read on, we will discover goes far beyond this synagogue or the Jewish nation or even beyond Israel. And in the book of Acts, we see this covenant going to the very ends of the world. You see, the synagogue leader 
Well, actually, uh, no one is beyond that dignity. No one needs to remain bound. No one is out of reach of this reckless liberation of God. I want to have a brief look at the way that Luke, and Jesus in particular, talks about this woman's healing. Because in verse 11, we see she has been crippled by a spirit. But then in verse 15, Jesus says that, she, that Satan has kept her bound for 18 years. And the synagogue leader says that she's been healed. So, as far as the synagogue leader is concerned, Jesus is treating, he's a doctor. He's come along, he's done something, and now she's healed. Well done, Dr. Jesus. And that sounds a bit like work. But Jesus says she is set free from what binds her. Set free from her infirmity. And if we, go, if we read on in that uh, in the Ten Commandments, if we read on to see why they're being asked to observe the Sabbath, it actually explicitly reminds us, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand. When Jesus puts his hands on her, he doesn't just heal her. These are the hands of God leading her into freedom. That's the whole purpose of the Sabbath. Remembering that the God that we serve sets us free and longs to set everyone else free and to use us to do it. Now, I am treading a little carefully here because I don't want anyone to go home with the misapprehension or the mistaken understanding that if you are experiencing um, disabilities, you are in any sense spiritually crippled. Jesus' affirmation of this woman's identity applied just as much before she was healed as after she was healed. Yes, she is bound by Satan, but only in the same way that all of creation is bound by sin, bound by everything which denies the image of God in us and which fails to express the goodness of the God who created us. Her physical condition is not a reflection of her worth, is not a reflection of her standing with God. Whatever it is that binds us, Jesus wants to set us free. That's the message that nearly got him thrown off a cliff back in Luke 4. Now, uh, I don't know what disabilities there are in this room. Sometimes people's disabilities are quite obvious. Sometimes people's disabilities are hidden. I can see a lot of people wearing glasses. So there's, in, in some sense, we're all doing something to overcome our body's limitations. Um, maybe there are people with hearing aids. Maybe there are people who are struggling with mental ill health. Maybe there are people who are neurodivergent in some way. And not everyone with a disability is healed. 
Not everyone with a disability wants to be healed. Uh, there's a book that came out a couple of weeks ago called My Body Is Not A Prayer Request. And it's by a woman who is disabled and was fed up with everyone just assuming that they had total liberty to pray for her healing at every moment and sort of ignoring everything else about her. If you are disabled, you must be afforded respect and dignity. Your disability must not be allowed to become an obstacle to participating fully in society or creation or in the church. And often the challenges that people face are actually that society excludes them in all sorts of subtle and less subtle ways. Our sp simply having steps that people can't get up is a way that our spaces disable people. So it's not the people who need healing, but the world which surrounds and excludes them. Sometimes setting people free is not the same thing as healing. And this, of course, isn't just about disability. There are all sorts of ways in which we and our neighbors are bound up. Bound up by illness, bound up by our circumstances, bound up by the way we treat each other and the way that we are treated by others, perhaps by our own selfishness and desires, by our own sinfulness. Jesus wants to set us all free. Jesus wants to break every chain, no matter how strong and tight they may seem. And this is a truth which is humiliating for Jesus' opponents. But it's good news to everyone else. It's good news for those people who feel pushed out and excluded. For those people who feel like they're not quite doing it right. Like we can never quite live up to everything that's expected of us, or required of us, or demanded of us. The meek, those who mourn, the poor in spirit... Of course, it might be humiliating for us when we start taking a look at ourselves. Because, of course, we never say, we will always say, oh, no one's excluded. Everyone's welcome. But we put subtle conditions on other people's participation. We might hold on to traditions which exclude and alienate people because we're treating the traditions like they have more value than the people themselves. We give the impression that other people have to look like us and behave like us before they cross the threshold of our church buildings. And this is about more than having a ramp into the church, although that is a good thing, but whether we're the sort of community that has on-ramps for those people who aren't like us. We have to examine our habits and perhaps even our theologies, and ask whether they implicitly or explicitly exclude people who are beyond our community. We need to examine ourselves. Because when we exclude people, we are denying them the freedom to live in the love that sets us all free. 
no matter who we are. We must never allow ourselves to become obstacles to God's liberating work in the world. Jesus follows this event by uh, telling a couple of parables. And at first, it's not really clear what they've got to do with what's going on here. But um, one of them is about the kingdom of God spreading from the tiniest of seeds, from the smallest piece, or, or from bread growing from the smallest amount of yeast. This is what the kingdom of God is like. That the tiniest things, the things that are so easily overlooked, the crippled woman, they're the places from which the kingdom of God can flourish. It's only through those unseen flecks of yeast that the nourishing bread will rise. We must never dismiss or deny other people the opportunity to participate in the kingdom of God. Because it might, be, it might just be that through them, and even through us, that the kingdom of God will grow. So we're going to have a little bit of a time of prayer now. And uh, because it's an evening service, I'm going to encourage a little bit of interaction. I hope that's okay. Um, and I'm aware that I can't, I really can't see, partly because my glasses are filthy. So I'm going to take this, these off. Um, and now I can't see anyway. But uh, uh, I think it's really good at this time of year, especially if maybe if we are in a school or we work in a world where the world sort of runs on a up to the summer holidays and then past the summer holidays kind of time frame, that actually this is a little bit like New Year. It's that time where we stop and we go, okay, put all of those boxes away, start thinking about the next lot. Um, so I thought it would be really good to spend a little bit of time, firstly, reflecting on the previous year. Um, so what I'm going to do is we are going to say a short prayer. We're going to invite God to be with us in our thoughts and in our reflections and in our conversations. And then... We're going, I'm going to guide us through some ways of reflecting on what's been and then look forward a little bit to what's, what's to come. Is that okay? Great. So, I have got some notes over here. I've left them all in all the wrong places. Um, oh, there we go. So let's pray. Lord God, as we reflect on the year gone by, as we reflect on where we are now, as we look towards where we are going, we pray that we, you will give us your eyes to see how you see, to understand where you have been close to us and where you long to be close to us. So take a moment on your own and look back over the last year. What are you thankful for? Maybe go through the year month by month in your mind or think about those highlights 
ask God to show you where are the gifts, where are the moments where God has been present. Think about the people that you love, the people that you have seen, the people you have encountered, friends, family, colleagues. What moments in the last year are you thankful for? Okay, I'm going to ask you. Great, I'm going to ask you just to hold your conversations there for a moment, and uh, and now, perhaps this goes a little bit deeper. Where have you felt God's presence? Maybe you want to think about uh, where you've experienced the fruits of the Spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, all of those things, where have you seen God at work in your life or in the life of people around you? The next question, I'm, I'm expecting that you might be a bit more reluctant to share unless you're really close with the people that you're sitting with. Because I want you to reflect on whether there were any moments in the last year where maybe you struggled to see where God was with you. Where maybe God felt a little bit further away. Where there was a little bit less of that fire of the Holy Spirit present. What, what, what was going on? What were you doing? What was happening? And whatever it is, offer that to God as well. Because God is present even in those things where God feels least present. That makes sense. So just take a moment to reflect on that and share if you feel comfortable sharing with the people around you. Okay. And before we move on and pray... Um, look to the future. I'm just going to say a big prayer for all of those things that we've talked about. Lord God, I thank you for every moment of our lives over the last year. For the joys and the celebrations and the gladness. For the times and the places where you felt closer than our own breath. We remember the times when it's been harder to, to know where you are or to understand what you're up to. But we pray that you will use all of these things to reveal yourselves to us in a deeper way, in a closer way, and to walk with us in the days to come. Through Jesus Christ. Amen.